How's it going, everyone? Thanks for joining us for another episode of Mac and Joe Talk on a podcast. I'm Mac. This is Joe. Really appreciate you guys listening in with us for another week. This is my favorite hour of the week. Hopefully it's one of yours. Thanks, Joe, for being here. Yep. As always. It's my favorite hour of the week, too. Good. And as always, go to fanboyplanet.com. Check out the articles. Go on the Facebook page, the Twitter page, all that stuff that I tell you every week. Make sure you're doing it if you're not doing it. Go to iTunes. Review us. Get us ratings. Get us likes so we can get paid. That's what we're looking for. Uh, but we're <laughs> That's also, the only reason we do this. It's I'm not, just kidding. I'm just joking. We're here just because we like doing it. We like having fun um, talking to you guys and... Um, it's been an enjoyable couple weeks so far. We look to keep doing it. Uh, just a reminder, tonight will be a double episode, a bonus episode. Um, there will be a secondary podcast that will be simply on Ant-Man and the Wasp, which Joe and I saw on Thursday. It will be a spoiler review, so that way if you haven't seen the film yet, you don't need to check out the podcast until you've seen it. We want to make sure that everyone gets a chance to see it in its original form. We don't want to spoil it or ruin the movie, because a lot of these movies, like the Marvel movies... Do have big reveals and big spoilers, so I want to make sure everyone has the experience of walking into it first time, um, not knowing the big reveals and the big secrets. Uh, having said that, you ready to go? Yep, let's get into it. Um, first of all, just overall, did you like Ant-Man? Did you not like Ant-Man? Because you, you walked out kind of mixed, and I was a little surprised by that. Uh, we don't have to go into the details. But We're not going to go into the details. I'm just more okay. curious if, Overall, I was disappointed. Okay. I was disappointed. Then I, then I, like most people, am excited to hear what you have to say right. in the next episode. <laughs> um, box office-wise, it did pretty well. Domestically, it did around $76 million, which was kind of what they were expecting. Again, this is a Sunday night, so it's an estimate it could be off one or two mil. Um, it only opened up in about half the markets worldwide that it will, and that's about $85 million. It still has you know half the world to open up into. Um, it's doing really well. It's probably on pace. The first Ant-Man wasn't a huge, huge success, obviously. Um, but it was, you know, all the films are still profitable. Ant-Man and the Wasp was probably looking to do a little bit better than the first film. But again, we'll see where it goes. People are still kind of, you're either really into Marvel right now because of Infinity War, or you're kind of like, need to take a step back because of Infinity War. I know a lot of people that I spoke to were like, I can't see a Marvel film for a while. I just got to recuperate from <laughs> Infinity War. And I understand that because Infinity War was a, a gauntlet of a film. And we'll get into some of that in the other stuff as well. The only other box office news that I wrote down I thought was interesting was Incredibles 2 is the first animated film to cross $500 million domestically. Hmm. Um, again, obviously, there have been animated films that have crossed that mark internationally and globally, worldwide. Incredibles 2 is the first to do it domestically. Again, I think that just speaks to the Pixar brand, the Disney brand, and... Take it, take it for what it's worth. I mean, movie tickets are more expensive now than they've ever been. So I mean, absolutely, you do need to take that. I feel like that. That, but take take the number for what it's worth. I mean, having the most money for an animated film is certainly big news. I'm it not it is, yeah. I mean, I one hundred percent agree with you. Uh, you know, inflation is something that's huge, and three D sales, and you know, all all that stuff does contribute. Um, but I, I think that is. A credit to how good the film actually is and, and how it's connected with people. You're getting people like Infinity War or like that where people are going to see it two or three times because they really, really enjoy it. Again, it's a family film, so you're usually going in groups of four or five. It's not just a date film where you're taking one person. You're taking four or five people. It's a group thing. Um, so people like it. Uh, again, we've gone over Incredibles to a decent amount, but I thought that was a pretty interesting number. 
Um, again, numbers for me, those are things that I like. Um, last week we did a little section just based on news that I thought really worked well. Yep. Again, this is a, a new podcast still, so we're still figuring out the format and we're still figuring out what you guys like and the best way to connect to you guys. Um, a couple tidbits of news. Uh, Joe, do you like Batman? Of course. You know I love Batman. Yeah? Who's your, what's, uh, if you had to pick a, if you had to pick a character in the Batman canon to have their own TV show, who would you pick besides Batman? Well, I, I think I know where you're going. And you where have am I to, going? You have to say Joker. You have to say the Joker. Do you think that's where I'm going? I think that's where you're going. I think you're going to talk about the, the Joker, some Joker movie. No, I'm absolutely not. Um, Epics is a TV channel. Yep. Um, they are creating a new television series based on the character of Alfred Pennyworth. Alfred? <laughs> I would have been my next guest. Alfred? Um, really? It, I, I don't know anything about it. Um, it's still in the early stages of development. What is noticeable for me is part of the creative staff behind Gotham, which is a show that I'm very much a fan of, um, set in that world, is behind this. It's going to center around a young Alfred Pennyworth when he's in the SAS and when he meets Thomas Wayne. Um, that's all oh, I know. Oh, oh, Batman's parents. Yeah, Batman's parents. Um, how they, that relationship is formed. Uh, still very early on. We don't know much about it, but again, it's. I thought that was interesting news. We have a lot of Batman fans out there. Um, and again, if it didn't have the team behind Gotham behind it, to me, I'd kind of think it was sketchy. But if you haven't checked out Gotham and you like Batman the character, it's a really intricate series about the setting of the Gotham City and the villains before Bruce Wayne takes over the mantle as Batman. Um, you excited for some ballers, Joe? Is it coming back? It's Are coming back on coming August back? 13th. Oh, beautiful. Um, just in time for, for, for football. Just in time for football. That's probably smart on HBO's part. They dropped a little, like, 10-second tease the other day. You didn't really get to see anything besides The Rock staring into the camera. Um, I'm excited that Ballers is back. I yeah. think it's the best thing that The Rock does. Um, <laughs> and, and I'm excited about it. Check out Ballers if you haven't seen it. It's a great show. Um, speaking of The Rock... Uh, did you know that The Rock and Jathan Statham's character from Fast and Furious are having their own spinoff? I believe it. I yeah. believe anything when it comes to the Fast and the Furious series at this point. Um, <laughs> but what will surprise you, not only will it have The Rock or Dwayne Johnson, because I keep calling him The Rock, Dwayne Johnson and Jason Statham reprising their roles, um, Idris Elba is in talks to play the villain. You're kidding me. I'm not. And that's the part that's surprising to that's me. That's very surprising. Um, again, these Furious films just make a boatload of money, especially overseas and domestically. It's probably Universal's biggest franchise, maybe Jurassic World. But again, Fast and Furious has like seven films now. It's not far behind. So, I mean, it's in terms of relative new franchises, Fast and Furious is probably... You know, the largest one they have, there is obviously the part, there's obviously the new ride in Universal Orlando, uh, in Universal Hollywood, they have, they've added a part to the tour, with the Fast and Furious Supercharged. Um, again, I don't know if Idris Elba is officially on yet, but those are the reports. Um, that makes the film at least interesting to me, simply because of how good of an actor he is. Yep. But I thought that was pretty, pretty cool. Uh, we talked last week about Halo. Um, and it was a, a game adaptation. Um, they're making another video game adaptation, Joe. Do you want to take a guess as to what it is? Metal Gear Solid? I don't even know what that is, so the answer is no. Okay. Um, they're making a Sonic the Hedgehog movie. Oh my god. Um, and it's apparently going to be a live action hybrid (laughs) 
with CG, CGI. So that's probably going to have human characters interacting with Sonic the Hedgehog in some sort of fashion. I remember playing Sonic the Hedgehog as a... But it didn't have youth. any story. I, yeah, I mean... It I, was lacking story. I just This just doesn't sound interesting to me. I'm sorry. Yeah, I mean, again, we don't, I don't, we don't know much about it besides what they've announced. James Marsden is going to be in the cast. James okay. Marsden is... I know who he is. Uh, yeah. You know, from X-Men, the original X-Men Cyclops. Yeah. He's in Westworld right now. And Jim Carrey is apparently in talks <laughs> to play the villain. Um, don't know anything about it besides that. Um... But I thought that was some cool news to pass along. There might be some old school Sonic the Hedgehog uh, fans out there. Sonic the Hedgehog does make an appearance in Wreck-It Ralph in the first one. But he gets his own movie now. We'll see how it goes. Um, For those of you that are attending Comic-Con, lucky you in a couple weeks. The Saturday panel that is usually the Marvel panel. Obviously Marvel is not going to be there this year. There will be a special screening of Deadpool 2. And it will be the uncut version. So if you are at Comic-Con that Red night, band, Red band. Um, that should be something very exciting. Ryan Reynolds is probably going to be there. Um, you'll probably get some other you know, New Mutants talk and Dark Phoenix talk and all as well. Um, if you're going to Comic-Con, that's probably one of the more anticipated uh, slots um, is the, the, the Fox and Marvel. So we'll see how that goes. Um, we, we've been speaking a lot about streaming services and... How that, how that impacts, you know, the entertainment and how that impacts how people get their content. Um, Netflix came out with a report recently, um, and they said in the next year, they are going to spend 12 to 13 billion dollars on original content. <laughs> that's not million, that's billion dollars. Um, that includes roughly 82 Netflix original films. Then over 700 TV series, and that includes series, stand-ups, documentaries, kid shows. Is there really that many actors to go around? <laughs> uh, I mean, that's, a lot of it is probably international, too. I mean, there's a lot of international TV shows that Netflix does for international markets. Um, again, this is a huge push because, again, once those contracts come up, a lot of your favorite shows that are on Netflix now that belong to Disney or Fox or Warner Brothers, those contracts are going to expire and they're going to revert back to their owners. So a lot of that content that you have now on Netflix, you can watch Marvel films and Star Wars films. Um, in a year or less, you won't be able to have that option. Disney's yep. going to start their own thing. Yep. So Netflix is already preparing for the next step, the next gap. Um, if they want to stay in front of the game, in front of being the leader, they need to keep developing original content, which they do do a great job of already. Um, But that was a a huge number for me. Um, And Netflix is certainly, certainly doing well if they're able to spend that amount of money on original properties. Um, We've done last time, one of the last times we did a a little recap or a little, not a recap, a little um, give you guys a flavor of what we liked. Uh, we did TV shows and books. Um, I wrote some TV shows down. You don't really, you didn't have anything this week because I no, know. No, yeah. I'm I'm not a big TV TV fan. I don't watch many TV show series other than just a, a couple comedies here and there. Ballers, so, yeah, yeah. Ballers is the, is one of the exceptions, but it's mostly sports programming for me. But I I think you have a couple of recommendations. Yeah, and that's going to change for Joe. Joe's going to get more into it also. (laughs) Um, A couple things that I wanted to to mention. Glow Season 2 is on Netflix now. It just came out. Uh, Glow, if you don't know what it stands for, it's Gorgeous Ladies of Wrestling. 
It's a half-hour comedy show. It stars uh, Brie Larson. Um, I was turned on to it by someone who recommended it to me. It's based on a true story. Um, it's really funny. It's only 10 episodes. They're about a half an hour each. Uh, it's a really good show. Um, it's gotten really good reviews. It's won some awards. I would highly recommend it. It's something different off the beaten path that you're not used to. It's not a generic comedy. It's not a generic procedural drama. Um, it's something that I enjoyed very much. Right now, that's on Netflix right now. On Amazon Prime, I stumbled across this show called A Very English Scandal. It's only a three episodes, about three hours or so. It stars Hugh Grant and Ben Wishaw, and it's based on a true story. Uh, that's all I'm going to say about that. Go to Amazon Prime, search A Very English Scandal. Um, I think you'll like it. Um, it's pretty good. And then right now, I'm actually re-watching Band of Brothers on HBO, which is kind of an old-school HBO thing. Uh, HBO 10-parter is really good. It just kind of popped up and I put it on my list. It's been on my list for like a year. Um, and then I just started watching it, and I'm kind of hooked on it. Um, that's all I have. Let us know what you guys are, are watching. Um, we'd love to to know. Joe definitely needs some some help there. Yep. He just doesn't know where to get started. I think he yeah. looks at it, and he's like, oh, that looks good. And then he's like, 10 episodes? Can't do that. <laughs> so um, Pretty much. <laughs> yeah. You just got to suffer through it. Um, so that's all. That's all I have. Um, next week, you know, I know Joe has some book things, and I know that I'll have some book recommendations for you guys. Um like I said, we want to know what you guys um, are watching or what you guys plan to watch, and maybe we can squeeze that into our routine as well. First kind of discussion topic we I wanted to go over is something that Joe actually brought yep, up. Yep, mine. Um, it's, it's near and dear to my heart. Yeah, so why, why don't you go ahead and explain it and why you thought about it, and, and you can lead the discussion. And Yeah, um, I don't, I mean, this is something that's been going on for a while in Marvel films and other, other films have kind of picked up on it, but that is the mid credits or post movie scenes. Um, Mac, you and I both, you and I both know that I am not the biggest fan of those. Just can't wait. I, 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 I can't wait to get out of the theater is more like it. Um, but they're, they're, they're called, they have a particular name. They're called stingers. And they pretty much, Marvel has adapted them to pretty much all of their films. And it's usually reserved to like give you some sort of a cliffhanger for the next film or provide some sort of additional scenes to help explain what happened or, you know, it's, I, I'm not a huge fan of it. I'd like to hear your opinion first before I kind of give mine because you know I'm not a big fan of them. Um, um so I think, it's a very Marvel thing to do, and I think Marvel started it and cornered the market, and I don't like it. I'm not a huge fan of it when other franchises or other films that are not Marvel films try and do it, because then it feels like you're just trying to copy it. Like, there was the Stinger scene in Justice League, Justice League yeah. um, where, you know, spoiler, I mean, Justice League is not for, like, more than a year, so if you haven't seen it, you know, don't see it, don't waste your time. Uh, but Lex Luthor's on the boat, and then Slade comes up, Deathstroke comes up. And it's like, first of all, you don't even know if Ben Affleck's going to be a Batman. So that was just a dumb stinger in general. Uh, teaser, credit scene, whatever. I like the Marvel scenes simply because the ones that move the story forward. You know, the the scene in, Infin the scene in Infinity War with Captain Marvel and it hints that she's coming on. To me, that's great. You know, there's other little scenes where it doesn't do anything but just like shows a shot of a character. Like kissing someone or... 
you know, someone running through the forest or something, that doesn't do anything for me. Um, if it's something that tells the story or propels the story forward, it's part of the story, then that's great. Like in Ant-Man and the Wasp, we'll go over that in our own separate podcast. Mm-hmm. But that propels the story forward. Okay. I, I'm i not going to disagree with you that it does propel the story forward. However, <clears throat> why would you include these scenes midway through the credits? Do them at the end of the movie. I don't understand why they just don't flip from one scene to the next and then just show the I mean the director event. makes a choice I know what it's going to be so and the director chooses to end okay. his film a certain way right oh god so you make us wait through the credits which really nobody cares about I'm sure the people that are on the credits care about of it. course they do but I mean nobody in nobody in the theater is is entertained to be sitting and, and waiting for the credits I just don't understand why they don't put the stingers at the end of the movie you're going to include them anyways. Some of them do propel the story forward. I agree. But it just strikes me as like a soap opera. A soap opera with the big cliffhanger at the end, then the commercial, and then the credits roll. It's just it, – it, it seems like a soap opera to me. And like – and they do it in every single film now. It's not just an isolated thing. Before it was kind of cute, like seeing like cats dance on the, on, the, on the YouTube video. Now it's just annoying. It's just totally annoying to me. Yeah. But – we can disagree on that. Uh, was no, there anything I, else you wanted I, to add? I, I think it's it's a good point, and, I, and I, a lot of people have heard the same argument. I mean, I you know there are some people that have you know Marvel usually has two end credit scenes. They have one like right after the the main roll of credits, and they have one at the very end. You know, I've had people like leave after the first sex. They didn't even know there's going to be a second set of credits at the end. Um, you know, I, I I do understand. I think when films, you know, I think Marvel has cornered that market, like I said, and they've done it and they've done it efficiently and they've done it to propel the story forward. When you have franchises or other stories that just do it because, Hey, we're going to throw in a credit scene cause it's cool. Like that doesn't do anything for me. That doesn't get me excited. Okay. But if I know that, um, if I know that there's something about the story that's going to happen, like I'm excited about that. Except in, well, we can, we, I don't want to spoil anything, but there's a scene in Ant-Man at the end of the movie that has absolutely nothing to do with the story. Right. So we sat through it for nothing. I'm believe me. Believe me. get through it. Yeah. One God. of the things that I, I, I do sympathize with you is Guardians of the Galaxy Volume had 2. had like four. It had like five, five scenes. Five scenes. Um, and some of them were, I mean, they were clever. Um, there was only one scene that really propelled the story forward. That was the scene where they, they teased Adam Strange. Um and and nothing else, you know, everything else was just kind of just there. Um, you know, so that was weird. The first Guardians had like Howard the Duck in it. Like that was really weird. It didn't really go anywhere. Um, there was the scene in Avengers Age of Ultron where you see Thanos and he's like, he grabs the gauntlet and he's like, all right, I'm just going to do it myself. Like, that was cool. That was cool. The first Avengers when that. they reveal Thanos overall, yeah. that was cool. Um you know, the first Ant-Man when they did the Bucky Barnes and Captain America, that wasn't very cool. Like, that was already, like, in the next film. So it was kind of, like, weird why they did that. Um, the Ant-Man scene we'll talk about in the separate podcast, but it definitely does propel the story forward. One of them does. Um, you no, know, Black Panther is a recent one that, that propels the story forward, um, you know, with the reference to Bucky being the White Wolf. Um, Thor Ragnarok really doesn't propel the story forward. Um you know, so again, it's I, I'm mixed about it. I think it's cool that they do it. A lot of it is for, you know, 
comic book fans and therefore people that have Easter, find Easter eggs and want to see Easter eggs and their nods and their little things like that. Um, that they, but they already have those in the movies. Some, some. Um, so I think part of it is they're doing it for their fans because they want to, you know, please their, their hardcore fan base. Um, but I, I do, I do agree. Um, I think there is, there is, we have certainly reached a point where it's oversaturation in terms of end credits and people are just kind of, you know, sick of it. And, you know, every, every film is like, we're going to have an end credit scene because we want to be clever. Um, if it doesn't move the story forward, if it's not a larger piece of a story, don't do it. Like Planet of the Apes is a great example. Uh, it didn't have post-credit scenes. The recent reboot, it didn't, we didn't need it because everything was told within the story, within the context. Um, that's a franchise that didn't need it, didn't want to use it, couldn't use it. And comic, it was great. It's all the comic book movies. Right. And some of it. I mean, there was a random one for Pacific Rim, which was dumb. And, you know, it's, it's not, it's, I, I agree with you to a certain extent. Um, but yeah. I mean, let let us, yeah, let us know what you think about that, guys. Um, I know that's a topic that I, that I have thought about, that I've been agonizing over. Um, not talking about it, but just something that's been on my mind. Ever since they kind of introduced those, the way back in 2008, I believe it was. Is that when 2008 I, was the first Iron Man. First yeah. Iron Man, yeah. So that was when they really kind of came to prominence. So let us know, you know, comment. Let us know what you guys think. If you disagree with me, you know, feel free to say so. But that, but, that first credit scene, though, when Nick Fury walks out and he's like... I, gotta, I still haven't seen it. It's like, I got to talk to you I about, haven't seen it. He walks in and he's like, Tony Stark's like, well, I, w- I want to talk to you about the Avenger Initiative. And everyone's mind in the theater just like blew <laughs> like, cause at that point, that was the first one and no one knew, like, there was gonna be a credit scene, no one knew Samuel Jackson was Nick Fury, no one knew any of that stuff. There were no over, over That's Avenger I mean. references. It was cool when it first came out. Yeah, and then Samuel Jackson, like, walked out with the eye patch and he was like, I'm here to talk to you about the Avenger initiative. And then everyone's mind was just blown. <laughs> uh, but again, I, I think, I think it's a great topic. It's something that we're certainly gonna keep discussing. We'll talk a little bit about it in Ant-Man. Um, cause it's certainly a topic in the next one. Um, let's move on to, yep. to the next topic. Um, it's been a slow little week cause it's a holiday week. Again, hope you guys had a great holiday. Um, took some time off, spent with some friends and family, did something fun. Uh, Chris McQuarrie, I apologize if I got that name wrong. Um, he is the director of Mission Impossible Fallout. Fallout. He was the director of the last Mission Impossible, Mission Impossible. Um, he's the director of Jack Reacher. He has a bunch of screenwriting credits. Um, he's kind of an in-demand director right now. Um, the press junket has started for Mission Impossible Fallout. There were two quotes that he gave that kind of stood out to me. One uh, is talking about, of course, we're talking about Mustache Gate. Those of you that don't know what that is, that's Henry Cavill. Henry Cavill in Justice League, who plays Superman, um, could not has a mustache for Mission Impossible. Um, and when they obviously decided to reshoot a large portion of Justice League, they needed him back on set as Superman. But Paramount, the rival studio, or just the studio that's producing Mission Impossible, was like, hey, you can't you can't shave him. Like he, It took him a little while to grow that beard. And so they digitally re-altered his face to have it not be a beard. And it's awful looking. <laughs> um, if you haven't seen Justice League, again, you don't need to. Um, but if you just look at the trailer of his face, it's, it's just really, it's noticeable. Um, it's really out there. So his quote is short answer. We made every effort to accommodate justice league without negatively impacting our movie. There was nothing we could do. 
So what I got from that is Paramount and Chris McQuarrie are making their own film. They don't need to worry about some rival studio making their own film or, or redoing shots from their own from their own film because they're the ones that messed up. In no way is Paramount responsible for the disaster that is Justice League. Okay. Yeah? Yeah, no, I agree. I, yeah. I, I don't see a problem with it. Yeah. Um, Chris I mean, McQuarrie said that? Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't have a problem with it. I mean, when it comes to the rival movie studios, I mean, you, you they have to know that some of these some of these actors and actresses are going to be working across uh, in different studios. Yep. So, I mean, they have to really take that into account. And it's just another, another blunder that you can chalk up to every, to the disaster of the movie that is justice league. I mean, yeah. it's not a surprise to me that, that this, that he looks as bad as he does. I haven't even seen it, but I've seen pictures of him. It does look. It, it does. Look, it looks. It looks just, as bad. It looks as you uncomfortable. Say. It's yes. just uncomfortable. Like it's. He's on, and he's not a bad actor. He's a good actor. No, he is. He's I on like screen, him. and he's doing a good job. But the digital re- just, restoration yeah. or whatever they did, if that's what you want to call it. Um, yeah, it's just off. Yeah, it looks bad. I mean, I, 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 I agree. But at the same time, I mean, like I said, it, it's not their fault. Like he said, it's not their fault. Right. They should have made. Adjustments, you know, shoot at a different time yeah, period. Justice the League, movie. they were very much adamant about we need this film needs to come out in November. This is when we set the date. Instead of just waiting, just pushing it back, because then you would have had more time to to redevelop it, to work on the script, maybe reshoot some more things, make it better. Yeah, it, it just felt like it was a rush job. Then you got the report that came out that said Warner Brothers executives pushed the film to come out so they can reach their bonuses. All that stuff. It's just, it feels weird. It's a disaster. Um, you know, it feels also weird that he's coming up with this quote because he, he, Chris McQuarrie, is being linked to direct a possible Man of Steel 2 um, with Henry Cavill. Um, part of that is simply based on quotes that he's given about Henry Cavill in general, how much he likes working with him. Henry Cavill is obviously in Mission Impossible Fallout. Uh, he looks great in the trailers. He looks like he's going to be an antagonist to Ethan Hunt. Um, it's something that I'm certainly looking forward to. I'm excited to see Henry Cavill just act and just be an actor versus trying to, you know, forcibly play this part that they're not giving him good material for. Um, Because, again, his Superman, I like his Superman. I like him. He's just not getting good material to work with. Uh, And that's unfortunate because I think he would he's great in the role and he looks the part and he does a good job. Um, The other quote, excuse me, the other quote um, is something that's a little more. Uh, of a heated discussion and something that's certainly gotten a lot more play. It's gotten a lot more notoriety, um, especially in the age of Twitter and user comments and all that stuff. Um, this is Chris McQuarrie's response to Ryan Johnson. Ryan Johnson, of course, is the director of The Last Jedi. The Last Jedi is a very polarizing film to a lot of people, especially to Star Wars fans. Um, Chris McCurry's response on Twitter to Ryan Johnson is, My friend, after five minutes of this, I don't know why you're still on Twitter. I would have loved to have made a Star Wars film someday. I'm cured. Uh, That's a lot to unpack there. Um, That's basically a big thumbs up to fans. That's basically a big thumbs up saying, you know, it's you can't please everybody. And in this modern day and age... I don't think it's a thumbs up. I think it's a middle finger. Yeah. <laughs> sure. I'm sorry. If I, I'm sure if I, if I phrased that wrong. Um, 
it's something that is when people have something that's near and dear to them. And I understand that star Wars means a lot to a lot of people. Um, again, these are films. These are something that we enjoy or we criticize or we have film criticism about, or we talk about it. And it's something that, you know, we can enjoy negatively or positively and, and, and have a bonding experience over. Uh, but to personally attack someone because of a film they made or to say that you've ruined my childhood and I want to kill you online and blah, blah, blah. I mean, that's just crossing the line. Like, that's just silly. Yeah, like, let's – I was going to say let's uh, – you and I, I mean, we enjoy doing this podcast, but we're in no way trolling the people that we uh, that we might criticize. I mean, I certainly maybe make some criticisms of certain actors – because they just don't they, they don't they don't float my boat, but I'm in no way attacking them personally. Yeah. And I'm certainly not gonna go on Twitter and troll them and say that you're a, a terrible person. I mean what we're doing is for entertainment purposes only. Um, so anybody, you know, I apologize if that offends anybody or you know, it's not it's certainly not our intent. But in terms of Chris McQuarrie, um just to give you guys a little bit of, of some of the stuff that he's done, he's mostly been a prolific writer. He's done like some great movies he's written. He's written Edge of Tomorrow with Tom Cruise, The Tourist with Johnny Depp, Valkyrie with Tom Cruise, and obviously he got an Oscar for The Usual Suspects. So this is a guy with a great pedigree, and to hear him say that he has wants no part of Star Wars, I'm not surprised. I mean, there... There, I, I read a quote online, and I'm not going to read the whole quote, but it basically says how it's very difficult for people in the 21st century to appeal of to appeal to both old fans and new fans of movies. It's basically yeah. impossible. No one's been able to do it, um, and I think that Star Wars is the prime example of that. Um, when it comes to appeasing both the old school lore of, you know, and I mean, I think that was, that was part of George Lucas's fall from stardom, I guess, or his choice to no longer hold the reins of the franchise. Um, I think that the popularity of star Wars was both a blessing and a curse for him. Sure. And I believe that that is probably the reason why he said, you know what? I'm done with it because you know, when he remade one, two, and three, he got lambasted. Four, for five, it. and six, right? No. You're talking about when he re-altered one, one, or when he when he made one, when two, he three. made one, okay. two, and three. He got lambasted. Sure, people didn't like any of those films. They said he was like the worst director of all time. I remember, I remember some of the criticisms. People were criticizing Jar Jar Binks. People were criticizing all these characters. I, it's it's exhausting, you know. Yeah. I'm not saying I, I, you know, I don't blame him. I don't blame George Lucas for kind of relinquishing the reins, and I don't, and I don't blame Chris McQuarrie for saying, "Hey, I want my hands off. I don't want anything to do with this." Yeah, I, I 100% agree with you. I, I think you know, film criticism and TV criticism about the product or about the story or about things like that is a good thing. Um, attacking someone's personal beliefs. Or attacking someone personally, um, I think there's obviously a huge line that that's being crossed there. And Star Wars is the prime example of that. It's a small minority of the people who are actually going to buy the tickets, who are actually going to go, uh, but they're the loudest and they're the most vocal. I mean, you can yeah. do a, you know, do a 
two second search on YouTube, just type in Last Jedi reaction or hate reaction, and you'll find hundreds of video responses to people that just lambast uh, Last Jedi and just talk about how awful a director Ryan Johnson is and how, you know, if Disney does a Ryan Johnson new movie with Star Wars, they're not going to see it. They're going to boycott it. And people are going to say, oh, you know, the failure of Solo is because we boycotted it and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, you have talented people that like Chris McQuarrie who might want to do a film like that, who might want to do, you know, who might other directors might want to do films like that and play in this sandbox that George Lucas has created. And, you know, what's the upside for them? You know, if they, the best case scenario, they make a film like Force Awakens, which has a lot of homages to the original. You know, again, a lot of people still didn't like Force Awakens because it didn't, it was too similar or it just didn't have enough for them or it wasn't the original. Well, nothing's going to be the original. Nothing's going to be the first Star Wars. That's you know? true. You know, the first time Indiana Jones walks out, you're never going to get that again. No. You know, the first time Jurassic Park, the first time you see a dinosaur in Jurassic Park, you see the bronchiosaurus. That's an amazing shot. You know, you're never going to get that again. You're, that's the first time you see a, a dinosaur on stage, on screen. The first time you see a T-Rex on screen, like, that's it. You know, and so to have this idea that it's just attacking people or... It's just not healthy and it's not a good thing. And I think that's going to alienate people. And it's, you know, a franchise like Star Wars, yeah, you could say that it's not going to be like the original. And I don't think Disney wants it to be like the original. You know, they're making new films. They're making new stories. And, you know, watch it or don't watch it. But to attack someone personally, uh, I think, is is obviously crossing the line. And, again, criticisms that we have about, you know, things that people do or, or, or films, it's literally about the work. It's not about the person. Um, in no way, shape, or form would would Joe be upset if The Rock walked into the room right now. Um, no, of course it would not. be awesome. I would be scared on my. Sh- I'll be scared shitless though because it's Dwayne Johnson and we love Dwayne Johnson because he's awesome. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I think that was really all I wanted to touch on. That I think it's you know you're starting to get. Um, I think I don't want to get. To, I don't want. I don't want to get to a point where people, talented people, are afraid to do these type of films. Because of the criticism they're going to get, the hate they might get. Um, So instead you just have doldrum, boring films that play it safe. You know, part of what made Star Wars amazing was it was so original. There wasn't huge space battles. There wasn't anything about that. George Lucas created this completely original idea and it just blew people away. And I think to, you want to have you want to have creative people that come in and, and work on that. Um, and if you just want people to make a cookie cutter film, you're not going to expand it. It's not going to be better, um, and it's not going to it's not going to you're not going to enjoy it. Um, so like it or don't like it, I, I think that's kind of all I have to say about that. But. Yeah, I mean, I was just going to say the one movie that I think that everybody liked, both new fans and old fans, it has to be Rogue One. Sure. Which is so interesting because it is it was a it, it that was the closest thing that they could get to to appeal to both the old fans and the new fans. I didn't hear much criticism about Rogue One, did you? No, and I think um, I think there was a reason why they made that as their first anthology film. Yeah, you know they 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 didn't start they didn't jump out of the gate with like Solo with Solo or like a Boba Fett film or something like that. They played it very safe. They teased you with the Darth Vader. They teased you with the Death Star. But it wasn't just that. It was there was original characters in there. Sure. Yeah. There was characters that we had never seen before. Yeah. So I mean, 
but I mean, there, any director, in, in my opinion, any director who tries to do a Star Wars film is going to have their hands full because, you know, Solo, there was a whole lot of drama and political, political uh, problems with Solo when they yeah. fired the director and hired Ron Howard and he did a complete 180 and made it, you know, different to, to appeal to whoever, either the old fans or the new fans. But that's part of the reason I think why they're going to have so much trouble going forward is because I don't th- I think the the appetite for Star Wars is never going to be fed. Sure. It's it's not going to be you're not going to quench that thirst. There's not going to be one director that's going to be able to do it all. Um, yeah, I, I mean that's I just, that's just my opinion. Yeah. Um, so, like we've talked about before, I, I'm I'm excited that they're still developing things. Yeah. Um, but when I say that episode nine is might be the most important film that Disney has on next year's slate, maybe besides Avengers four. Um, if episode nine bombs or it just has Last Jedi feel to it, I mean that might that you know might be the end. Yeah, I mean, and again, how many billions, millions of dollars are they pouring into Galaxy's Edge at Disneyland, and Disney World, and you know all you well, know uh, those will so, still those will still make those will still well, I mean they'll they'll still be up, but I mean if if the films if I'm they sure, don't make new films, yeah, I'm sure they planned yeah. on on building this land with new films and interactions and all that stuff. So again, this synergy that Disney does across its all of its platforms, which is one of the things that Disney does well, um, it's a huge thing. Again, I, that that's my concern is that people, you know, exciting directors, exciting voices, original voices are going to stay away from properties like this because of potential fan backlash. Like that, that to me means we're losing out on something. Yeah. You know, and and you might not like the film, you might not like Solo, you might not like Last Jedi, you might not like. Force Awakens, but again, these are original takes on stories that somewhat original, somewhat original. But I mean, there—it's a director. He's hired to do a job. He's hired to write a film. He's hired to—that's what he's hired to do. You know, he can't go around asking people on the internet, "Hey, would you guys do, you, do you think no. this idea is good?" Like, There's no focus group. Yeah, he has to make he, he the director he or she has to make the film the best possible way he know he or she knows how to do it uh, and tell the story in an original voice. Um, and I think that's what Ryan Johnson did with Last Jedi. Um, you know, so we'll see. Um, I'm excited for episode nine, obviously. We're about a year and a half away. I think J.J. Abrams is a, is a great person, great director to follow up. He's done great with um, Star Trek. He's done great yeah. with Star Trek. Yeah, so, you know, episode seven was great. I mean, Force Awakens with J.J. Abrams was great. Um, so we'll see. Um, I don't think we're going to get anything trailer-wise or teaser-wise for a while, which is probably a good thing. Uh, I'm looking at that D23 date next year, 2019. Uh, August 2019 is when D23 is next year. Uh, I'm pretty sure that's when they're going to drop everything. Uh, The trailer, they'll have the full cast. At that point, Avengers will already be released. So my guess is Star Wars will be the main focus of D23, at least for the live action part. Um, Hopefully we'll be there. I went to D23 last year. You did. It was an awesome experience. (laughs) Um, And I'm sure you and I will go. Um... Hopefully we'll go. I know that I'm going to go for sure. Um, if you are going to Comic-Con uh, in the next week or so, I think it's not mm, two weeks. I'm sorry. So we'll, we'll have a little preview next week for Comic-Con um, for those of you that are going. Um, I'm jealous that you guys are going, but you guys should have a great time. Um, last but not least, it's been a slow week because it's a holiday week, so it's not going to be a longer episode. 
we just got a little little rant rundown for some theme park things. But first, you and I have some exciting news, Joe. What's that? Yes, we do. We're going to Disneyland. We're going to Disneyland! We are going to Disneyland. Um, <laughs> we're going at the end of August. Um, we're going to go to Disneyland for a couple days, um, which ties in nicely because it's at the, the very end of Pixar Fest. Um, so there are some really cool things about Pixar Fest that are original, um, and we'll, we'll certainly do those things. But it's also uh, important for us, I think, to go because we're going to spend maybe half a day at Universal uh, and we'll be able to ride Jurassic Park. Ride Jurassic Park literally like four or five days before it closes. Um, so that would be cool to be one of the last people to ride it. Um, you're not a huge Harry Potter fan, but you like the movies. I appreciate um, it. I, I I just haven't gotten around. Again, yeah. you you know me well. Sure. When you said that I don't, the reason one of the reasons I don't get into TV shows is because there's like multiple seasons of twelve episodes. And it seems kind of like it's it's very overwhelming to try to dive into it. So I kind of view the Harry Potter books that way, unfortunately. Yeah. But, you know, you kind of have to read them back to back to back to back to back. To right. <laughs> I, I agree. Um, I, I will say that that even if someone doesn't – it's not a huge Harry Potter fan, I think you'll appreciate what, I think I will. what Universal has done to to Harry Potter and its theme parks. It's very much – a Disney experience in terms of setting and theming and all that stuff. Um, so I think it'll be cool. I think you'll like it. I think I will um, too. We'll get there. That's it's like you know a month and a half away. So we'll preview that what we're gonna do when we get there. Um, but I wanted to share that with you guys. Um, a couple other things that tie into theme parks. Um, we talked about before about Toy Story Land had its brand opening in Disney World Hollywood Studios. How long do you think it took to get people into the land? On its opening weekend. In Hollywood? Sorry. Hollywood Studios. So Hollywood Studios is a theme park. It's one of the theme parks. In Disney World. In Disney World, excuse okay, me. sorry. Sorry if I said I that wrong. You. I don't know, that's my fault. Um, so Hollywood Hollywood Studios is one How of the... How long do you think it took for people to... Just to get into the park. I don't know, an hour? Two hours. <laughs> How long do you think... So the main attraction is Slinky Dog Dash. That's the roller coaster. That's the roller coaster. Again, you know I'm a roller coaster How guy. long do you think, uh, you know, if you didn't have a fast pass... Or they're called fast class pluses in Disney World. How long do you how long do you think the wait was? Two hours. It's about four hours. Four hours. Four hours for like a sixty second ride. That's ridiculous. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so people waited four hours opening weekend to ride Slinky Dog Dash. That's insane. Um, and again, that's not a line to get into the land. That's a line just to ride the ride. And then once you ride the ride, if you wanted to walk in the land, you had to walk out of the land. And then get back in the land line just to walk into the land. Jesus. So that's crazy. Um, I did want to share. Uh, Toy Story Land looks really cool. So you're the size of the Green Army Men um, in the Toy Story films. Do you know the Green Army Men you know yeah, I'm talking about? Yeah, but how are you supposed to be their uh, size? So it's 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 like the film. Like they. So everything is. Oh, everything's designed. So everything's it's to be every, twice the size. Right. Everything's designed so you're. You're the size of a green army man. So, you know, you'll see like a Buzz Lightyear or you'll see a Woody and they'll be taller than you because they're taller than the green army man. So when you're riding Slinky Dog Dash, it's like Slinky Dog is there stretching and you're the size of green army man riding Slinky Dog's back going through the ride. It's very, very cool. It's a really small land. There's only the three attractions, Midway Mania, Slinky Dog Dash. And there's a little um, kids ride where there's kind of like a teacup ride. Um, there's a very cool little blog, or a little little video post on Disney Parks blog. It has Tim Allen at the opening of Toy Story Land. He walks around and kind of interacts with the Green Army Men, interacts with Buzz Lightyear. You see him ride the ride. It's very cool. 
Um, Blue Infinity. Yeah. And beyond. I thought that was very cool. Um, I know you're you're a fan of roller coasters. I am. Um, in Epcot, they are developing a new roller coaster. Do you want to guess what it's based off of? I don't have a clue. It's a random guess. I don't even know what Epcot Center is. Epcot? So Epcot is one of the other lands. Oh, one of the other lands in Hollywood. Yeah. Or, uh, in, in Disney Florida. World. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, it shows my, my ignorance for having never been to Disney World. Shame That's on, okay. Shame on me. Um, Epcot Center, a roller coaster based on Star Wars. It's going to be on Guardians of the Galaxy. Guardians of the Galaxy. Okay. I can see that. And again, that part of cool. that is, you know, Epcot in general as a space, you know, Epcot has, you know, a space theme in certain parts of it, and um, I think that fits in well. Part of it is Marvel rights. You know, Universal still owns the Marvel rights of theme parks. So if you were at Universal Orlando, uh, you could ride the Incredible Hulk coaster because um, they own it. You can ride the Spider-Man ride in Universal Orlando because they own the rights to it. Um, so Disney needed a ride. Just like in California, while the ride's coming up, they did Guardians first because they fully own the rights to all that. Um, it looks like it's going to be an extremely epic ride. Um, we don't have many details about it right now. Um, that ride and the ride based on Ratatouille, the movie, it's going to be a dark ride. Um, should be opening in Epcot in 2021, which will be the 50th anniversary of Epcot. Uh, 2021, so that's cool. Um, Ratatouille, of course, is based on the Pixar film, um, but it uh, there's also there is already a Ratatouille ride in Paris, in Disneyland Paris. Yeah, because uh, that makes sense because that's where Ratatouille lives. There you go. Um, so Disney was smart in adding that ride. Um, for those of you that don't know Epcot, there's obviously the main hub center, which is like the circular ball, which most people will recognize. Um, but Epcot has also different lands of different cultures. So there's like a France pavilion. There's a Mexico pavilion. There's a Canada pavilion. There's an Italy pavilion. Um, there's a Norway pavilion. So in the Norway pavilion, there's the Frozen Ride because they're from Norway. Um, so this is obviously going to go in the France pavilion. Um, it's a huge success in Disneyland Paris. Um, so it only makes sense that they're there. Also, Disney has released the Play app which is an app for your smartphone. It's basically meant to find Easter eggs and play little games while you're in line for certain rides. Again, especially if you have to wait four hours for a roller coaster. Yeah, I mean, that, well, that's going to kill your phone if you're just playing that entire time. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, we might try it, we might not try it. I don't know if it's a in-app purchase thing. I don't know if it's, you know, some people, there's been some mixed results on it. You know, some of it is just childlike stuff, but some of it, you know, seems cool. But, but we'll see. Um, that's really all we have for this. Yep. Um, you know, if you have seen Ant-Man and the Wasp, please check out the next yep, podcast. Stay tuned. Um, it'll be on a separate one. It'll be labeled simply as Ant-Man and the Wasp spoiler review. Again, that is a spoiler heavy review. So if you have not seen the film, um, or you want to wait to see it before you get into it, um, you know, please proceed with caution. Uh, we'd love to hear your thoughts on all of these topics. Um, and we really appreciate uh, you guys listening. So you guys have a great week and we'll talk to you soon. Yep. Thanks guys.